The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Diva Gibbons in Discussion and our guest today, Dina Hersey, a commercial photographer from Los Angeles, talking about the art of photography in a digital world. Welcome to In Discussion, and I am delighted today to be joined by Dana Hersey, an established commercial advertising photographer from Pasadena, Los Angeles. Dana has been in business for over 22 years, working for the advertising agency sector and large corporations, and acting as a lecturer at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, uh, teaching the basics of photography and the business of photography, and in particular, the uh, uh, concentration of digital photography as it's uh, uh, come to the forefront in the business now. Dana Hersey, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, David. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, Dana. Can you tell me a bit about the, the current state of uh, the business and how the current economy is impacting, impacting the business across the board? Well, it's, it's no secret in our industry that it's been a really tough year. Um, 2009 has really, um, you know, taken it out on, on uh, commercial photographers um, and, you know, there's really no way to sugarcoat it. We all like to put on a good face. But, you know, the fact is, is that uh, the advertising industry, by some estimates, are down uh, by 80% uh, across the board. And uh, it's, it's really weighed heavily uh, on our business. Uh, a lot of photographers are out there really scrambling just to try and stay in business um, with our main industry down by that factor. And... Um, so it's been a bit of a struggle this year. Uh, many of my colleagues uh, have shared with me that, uh, and, and colleagues who have been in business twice as long as I've been in business, uh, saying that this has been their worst year in their entire career, uh, business-wise. So, you know, it's, it, it would be nice to say that, hey, everything's, you know, hunky-dory and, and uh, we're all doing just fine, but the reality is it's been a very tough year. And um, the hopeful thing is that we are now here in uh, late November, early December, starting to see some signs that things might actually be turning around again. Now, what is the impact? I, I want to go back in history, Dana, if I may. What is the impact of digital photography in this business? And, and we've, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, we've we've seen this uh, paradigm shift from conventional materials towards the the digital medium, and we've seen the uh, uh, evolution of uh, digital libraries and and stock libraries. How has that affected your business? Well, um, it's affected in a lot of different ways. Um, I think because I was certainly uh, willing to jump on the bandwagon. Um, 
probably not at the early stages, but at the medium stages, uh, and the fact that I, I consider myself fairly tech-savvy, um, it's been beneficial. Uh, I was actually kind of a naysayer uh, about digital uh, in the early days. Um, I'm very um, technically um, oriented and um, very uh, meticulous, and so I... I really kind of held on to film for a while because it, it's this classic media that we've worked with. And uh, until I would say somewhere around 2003, um, the, the digital world hadn't quite achieved what it needed to be in order to, um, to really take over the industry. But at that point, um, it really did. The, the technology came up and it's really altered our way of doing business. Um, specifically, we get a lot more done in any given day of shooting now with digital than we ever did with film. Uh, so we're more productive. Uh, the downside is that clients see that productivity and they end up wanting more for the same amount of money, or in some cases they want more for less money. Um, but it's one thing that I comment on quite a bit, again, with my colleagues uh, in the industry is the fact that we're able to produce stuff now that we never could have even imagined before. And we can do it fast. We can do it in-house. Uh, and we can, in some instances, do it for less money. Um, but we're able to create imagery that we just n wouldn't have even fathomed uh, you know, 10 years ago. I'm, I'm interested to know if you miss the conventional process. I'm interested to know if you, you miss using film, having the, the, the old uh, type of creativity that, that one would have with a, a view camera. Uh, is that something that you miss, or looking back on it, would you just simply rather not return to it? Well, I look back on it with nostalgia. Like, you know, I, I have to say what I miss about that is, it, you know, is a slower pace. It was a slower pace of photography where you would get behind a view camera. And I, I have to say, from my perspective, it was more of a craft. You really sat down and, for lack of a better phrase, spend time with your camera. Um, even if there's a client over your shoulder with a view camera, you really were very, very meticulous about what you were doing. It was um, somewhat methodical, um, very intentional. Uh, and digital has changed the way I shoot. Um, before, you know, in the early days with film, um, you had that craft and you also realize that you had to get it in camera for the bulk of your clients. The bulk of your clients were not going to spend a fortune on, on conventional retouching of the day. Uh, it was just really not cost effective. So you had to get the shot in camera. Uh, that is not the case anymore. I still tend to shoot that way as much as possible. I try and get as much in camera as possible. Um, and some of my clients are quite amazed at how much I get in camera because they're used to so many people now 
shooting a piece here, shooting a piece there, and putting it all together in post-production. And I tend to not like to do that. Um, but I, I do miss the, the slower pace and the connection, I think, with the camera that I don't feel I quite have as much these days because the way we shoot now is it, it's more you have more of a connection with the computer it's you, it's bang 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 do the shots look at it on the computer with the client and you know have discussions about okay what do we fix in camera what do we fix in post um or what pieces are we going to pull together uh it's much more instant gratification how does that define you uh as an artisan as as an artist uh, compared to those that have not gone through this whole uh, technological evolution as as sculptors as uh, as painters does that does that make you then more of a technician that that it does an artist at this stage well you know i think one in this industry today uh, either needs to be a technician or have somebody on their staff that is a technician because we are required to know really so much more. I mean, uh, again, in the days of film, you, you knew your, your camera, your lenses, and the, the idiosyncrasies of a particular film or two that you would regularly use. Um, now you need to know your cameras, your lenses, and a half a dozen pieces of software along with it and be very proficient with it or again employ somebody who is so the technical aspect is absolutely there and anybody who's not on top of that is a little bit behind the curve um, but uh, I would I think what differentiates someone like me who's been kind of on both sides of that realm of uh, you know really cutting my teeth on film and processing and you know processing your own film and getting in the darkroom and doing your own prints uh, and and having it having to shoot something accurately uh, in the camera gives me kind of a, a step up on the competition because I can produce so much more in camera and there's not all that stuff to quote unquote fix in post production um, in in my education, I really learned lighting and composition um, extensively. And it seems to me that that is not being taught as much anymore. Um, that kind of the new generation of photographers who come in in this digital world don't get that foundation of, of an artist, you know, whether it's a painter, an illustrator, a sculptor, or a, for lack of a better word, an old, old school photographer. All of us really learned lighting and how to draw and create shape and texture uh, with lighting and with composition. And um, the new mentality is kind of like, you know, bang it out and, uh, you know, maybe I'll fix it in post. Well, does that indicate then that there are larger impacts to the way that a photographer thinks? Does the photographer now become less of a visualist and, and, and more of a technician? Uh, 
I think it's a yes and no answer on that because the flip side of all of this is now that we have all these tools where one can shoot half a dozen frames and put together an image that looks nothing like the frames it was built from uh, and really kind of create almost an artificial world, there is a lot of room for artisan. It's just a different media. Um, it's, it, it's, cre- it's not creating on a canvas with paint. It's not creating in a dark room with, you know, gelatin and silver. It's, it's creating with these digital components, um, both things that you shoot in the camera and maybe things that you actually physically create on the computer, um, melded together to create an image that did not exist in the real world. So I, th- I think there's room for both. Well, does that not take you? Uh, does that not take you away from the the passion of it, the the that that dreamy, romantic feel that that film provided? Does it not uh, make you uh, more intensive about uh, looking at pixels rather than it does about uh, true composition? It doesn't take me away because I'm. I tend to not go down that world I just described. So for me personally, um, I have a, a real affinity for traditional photography, for traditional lighting. Um, my work is, is very clean, very graphic. Um, and, and even for in the film world, I've always been this very clean commercial photographer as opposed to many photographers out there who do you know, uh, all these different styles, I, it, I have chosen not to go down this visual path that is very prevalent these days of uh, composited, created artificial imagery. I still tend to shoot the traditional way, even though I'm doing it in a digital form. But... I think your comments are valid. I think that that can very much be the case. I just choose not to go down that path. So how would you think that somebody like Steiglitz would view the uh, medium today, Dana? Ooh, that's a tough question. Uh, well, I, I think it's time to start asking the tough questions, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess I would want to think that uh, he would approach it... Um, you know, similar to, I guess, how I would, in that it's another tool. And how it's how you use the tool, ultimately, that matters. Um, I, I don't, you know, yes, we're shooting with digital cameras, but they're still cameras. It's still a piece of machinery with glass that captures light and records it onto a medium f- from which we can reproduce. Um, so I think the guts of the medium is still the same. Um, and I would want to think that someone like that would still produce the kind of imagery that stirs them inside, uh, regardless of the technology behind it. I'm, I'm interested also, uh, Dana, in how you view the art now out of the commercial environment 
now do, do you do you uh, work intensively in the digital environment and then do you get to the end of the day and and think to yourself right i've had enough now i'm not going to pick my camera up anymore how, how does that work now you know what uh, i i have to it, i have to say for me it's always been that way uh, even before digital and i've always found it very curious how um Probably, as with all things, we photographers come in all shapes and sizes. And I have a colleague who somehow I think uh, her camera has been epoxied onto her hand. She's never without it. And I've always been of a mind of, I, I'm a photographer. Um, it's what I do com- in my day-to-day living. It's, it's my job. I absolutely love my job. I would not want to do any other job. Um, this this past year has made that even more clear to me than ever before. I absolutely love what I do for a living. At the end of the day, my job ends. I put the camera down. I have no desire to pick it up for, you know, casual purposes. Um, I, I don't take family photos. I don't, uh, you know, my, my camera does not travel with me. So I'm that way anyway. Now, that's not to say that I don't take it with me on vacation. I mean, I, when I take a camera with me on vacation, ultimately I'm approaching that vacation more as a working vacation. Um, it's not that I don't do personal work, but my personal work, even my personal work is very commercial. And always, um, I'm always trying to kind of tell a story with it, and it's very intentional. My work is very intentional. Um, so I'm I'm not one to go and kind of grab shots here and there. It seems to me that, uh, particularly when I started out uh, 600 years ago, <laughs> that it, it was a hobby that developed into a career. And it seems as if yours is possibly reversed to that, where you... You, uh, you, you had a, 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 a you, 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 no doubt you had this as a hobby or as a, uh, a vision earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how did that, how did that transform you? I mean, wh- where, did, where did you go? Are there any parallels with, with that uh, statement? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I started out in the kind of the normal fashion, you know, doing school yearbooks and things like that. Uh, my stepdad was, uh, uh, did, had a little stint as an editorial photographer for a while, shooting for car magazines and stuff like that. And, and my, my stepfather was one of those people who always had a camera in his hand and kind of drove our family crazy because if you moved when you weren't supposed to, you heard about it. Uh, and it could take a whole holiday celebration down if you did something like that. So I was kind of around that. And maybe that's, maybe that's why I might have a slight aversion to that. But, uh, you know, I think I started out kind of the same as everybody else with it as a hobby, as, you know, something I did in school. And uh, late in high school, you know, I had pretty much had a career path in mind where it was either going to be a family retail business or, quite honestly, I was going to go into accounting. It was one of those two things. And um, uh, an instructor of mine in high school, you know, told me to go over and check out Art Center in Pasadena. And uh, I walked in the the gallery there, and I saw the kind of work that was being produced. And it was very, at the time, very commercial. This is in the early 80s. Um, Very 
I, for me, it was very stirring work. Uh, and it wasn't stirring like there was some deep meaning to it. It was just the quality of it was spectacular. And it was the first time that it dawned on me that one could actually make a living doing something like that. And uh, I'll tell you from the... Uh, so I went to school, to Art Center, uh, to get my degree. And the minute I walked through those doors on day one, it was my profession. Um, and it really never reverted back. Um, again, there is the occasional time where I'll pull the camera out for, for something just because I want to shoot it. Um, but it, it's really, for, the mo- for most of my time, it's been my career. Well, you must have uh, some waves of nostalgia when you return to Art Center now as a lecturer, uh, but also you must see a huge shift in the way that photography is taught, uh, in uh, the way that students look at photography. Uh, you know, there's, there's a certain cliche out there that uh, uh, whether it's video or, or, or digital photography uh, brings out more the amateur. Um, you know, people producing work with less quality. Is that a, a, an unfair statement or, or does that apply? I, you know, my knee-jerk answer is it totally applies. Um, and I don't know whether this is the, uh, the phenomena that, you know, all people think, oh, well, it was better in my day. Um, or whether it's actually the case, but my perception of it is that uh, the way it's being taught now in many schools, and I won't say all, but many schools, I don't think it's being taught um, in the same way. I, I don't think the students are getting a fair shake. I don't think they're getting the full education. Um, and a lot of the programs have shifted to what you're what you're speaking to um and it's been that way for a while in my opinion i i I hire students that come from these institutions and sometimes i'm amazed at how little they know and it's it's a bit frustrating and i feel for them um at the same time i know the struggle that some of the schools are up against um in that uh you know one of the complaints i would say over at art center is that uh, I, I hear that, well, we can't, we can't teach that because this, the students don't want it. And I scratch my head at comments like that because it's like, no, the students are coming to the school to learn what they don't realize they need to know. You know, they don't know what they need to know. That's why they're going to school, and it's our responsibility to teach them what they need to know, whether they won't like it or not. Um, and I think when educational programs cave to student desires, we are doing a disservice to the student and to the industry um, and to the institution. Well, this raises the issue, Dana, that uh, you as a working professional are brought into that environment to uh, add something uh, completely different, to to provide a whole new uh, vision of photography that perhaps those lecturers that are permanently in the educational system uh, have become stayed at. Uh, perhaps they they don't r- really uh, th- they're not really armed with the knowledge that you, that you have as a working professional. And 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 in su- as such, you, you I'm sure that you you fight with that. 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I with the particular institution that I'm at, um, it's been a constant battle, and there are times where I've stepped away uh, for several years because I get frustrated with um, with that exact situation where maybe there's fewer and fewer working professionals teaching and more and more full-time um, instructors who do, you know, at no fault of their own, they're simply away from what's happening every day, and they tend to not be as current as they can be. Um, and also, when they start to rely on that full-time position for their paycheck every day, um, I think they tend to, to be a little more cautious about how they teach because there is the security issue. You know, they want to make sure that they remain in that position and, re, and you know, retain their, their job. So they're not maybe as willing to push the envelope um, or rock the boat. Uh, and that's where if you get into a situation where an institution is using mostly working professionals who don't rely on this as their main source of income, it's more about giving back, you tend to get a more cutting-edge, uh, more forward-thinking uh, curriculum going. Well, I think that that uh, provides us with a segue. Oh, I don't like using that word, um, <laughs> but it does provide a segue. I, I think that I should uh, allow our audience to know some have some background that I had the privilege to work with you on some productions including 14 days mm-hmm. and uh, having known you for so long saw a uh, huge shift in your styles uh, you talk about having a clean-cut uh, technically perfected uh, style of imagery and of course we uh, ran around the countryside uh, for weeks and weeks. Uh, how did that change your perception? How how did that change your shooting style? And and in fact, uh, I would ask you, Dana, did it change your shooting style permanently, or did you return back to uh, what was uh, uh, the norm to you? Um, it. Well, the 14 Days Project had, a, uh, I think, a really profound impact on, on my work. Uh, and what we did in that project was unlike anything I'd ever done before. I'd never considered myself to be anything close to uh, a photojournalist of any type. Um, I know I was referring to my work on that project as, as environmental portraits, um, you know, shooting people somewhat in their own environment. Um, and it really gave me a body of work that was completely different from anything I'd ever done before. Um, and, and it was not clean, meticulous work. Um, you know, it wasn't the grungiest of work out there either, but um, it, was, it definitely forced me to shoot in a different way. Um, it was a it was a really difficult project for me, um, physically, emotionally. Um, I'm 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 one who loves my sleep, and we didn't get a whole lot of that on the trip. <laughs> and uh, just uh, it really put me out of my element. Um, I was very uncomfortable, and consequently, I think some of the stuff that I got out of it. Um, was 
groundbreaking for me. Um, and, and that's not to say the work, was, the, the work was anything spectacular out in the real world. That's for other people to judge. But for myself, it was groundbreaking. Um, it took me a long time to come to terms with it. I, w- I was, as you probably remember, I was very um, negative about the work. I felt like I wasn't, you know, with quotation marks around it, getting it. Um, and and just to interrupt, um, I think it might be an idea, Dana, if you would, to to give our audience a quick, short uh, uh, visibility of 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 the project and and your participation in it. Well, uh, the fourteen days project for those who aren't aren't familiar with it, and and you're certainly the better man to talk about it. But I'll give you my take: is it it was. Um, or it is a, a project that combines both uh, still photography and film, uh, exploring humanity, really. And the basis in which it was done is in our particular situation, 14 Days in America, which I was not part of, but 14 Days in Great Britain, is traveling across an entire nation in 14 days, um, hitting you know, major and minor cities, uh, one city per day. And uh, my involvement uh, was to shoot environmental photographs. Uh, There was another photographer, Richard Knapp, who was doing uh, studio photography. And uh, that, in creating kind of a, a home base in each town, uh, Richie was shooting portraits of individuals on White Seamless, and uh, you were interviewing people uh, on video, and those who seemed to have something special to say in conversation with you were then pulled aside and, and interviewed at length. And all of this material was combined into uh, a feature-length film. Um, I was brought on to kind of take a different tack on the still photography and actually go out into the neighborhoods we were in and shoot portraits of people just at random on the street. And I wasn't standing in a corner with a long telephoto lens sneaking shots of people without them knowing. We were walking up to people requesting the permission to take a portrait of them right there on the street as they were. Um, and it was really me and an assistant um, walking the, the streets of every town all day for one day and over 14 days. And I, I don't have any statistics on me, Dana, but uh, how long was it uh, after the, uh, the project that you spent time in the mental institution? <laughs> I think it was promptly, I think they took me right off the plane as I returned. Yes. And I think they released me about three months later. <laughs> the big question is: Would you do that again, uh, given the concentration on your 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 business and your your commercial work? I will tell you that from day two of the fourteen days project on through the entire rest of the project and on for about a month after I got home, I swore I would never do anything like that again, and. You, you you never mentioned that to me, Dana. Ah, okay. Now, from day two on, it's like, oh, I never want to do this. this is, I do not want to do this again. Once I was able to, I, I really did walk away from the work for a month, month and a half. I just really didn't look at it. Um, 
because it was just overwhelming. Um, there were points during the project that I became very emotional um, because things started to happen to me. I started to realize that I was having very brief but very personal interactions with people, um, people that I would never see again in my life. And they were being very generous with me, allowing me to take their photograph, um, giving a part of themselves, and I would never again meet them. And so I started to get very emotional about that. Um, but it, like I said, it wasn't until about two months, month and a half, two months after we got back from that where I started to really revisit the imagery and go, okay, you know what, I think I have something here. And now, you know, it, they're... Uh, every month, it's like, oh, when are we going to do that again? I can't wait. I need to. I need to do that again. It's it's almost addictive. Well, and uh, I was going to pose that question: um, Would you do it again? Yeah. And I and I suspect the the answer is yes. Um, is there anything like this that you've been involved in since? No, no, no. And I've really been longing for this particular project to continue because it's, uh, you know, it's part of me now and I feel ownership of it. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the message that the feature length film brings out, I think is a really relevant and important message. And, and it's interesting because where you think a message might fade over time, I think this particular message becomes more and more relevant and more and more important as time goes by, uh, because the world we live in is seems so much to be in turmoil and at odds with itself, and um, so I think this message, the message of this particular project is perhaps even more relevant than any time before and in regards to work that you've you've produced since then have you seen that uh, emotion uh, at all that, that you experienced then um i i would say no um the the work that i've done i have to say that the work that i've done since it it has altered the way i i shoot now having said that um, one of your earlier questions was, have I kind of reverted back to my original way of shooting? The interesting thing is that, um, you know, I, I think we're all a composite of all of our history. You know, it's like I, I can't, what happened in the 14 Days Project can't help but a f color the way I shoot. Uh, the way I shoot for commercial clients, I wouldn't say I've reverted. I, I would say it's evolved. Um, the 14 Days Project allowed me to, to loosen up a little bit. I, I, um, ha I can have a tendency to be a little uptight. Um, really? I, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> and and I, I have major control issues. And that I would have to say that's one of the biggest things I contended with uh, on the 14 Days Project is that <laughs> I was not in control. Um, so when I came back, I kind of latched onto my commercial work again because it allowed me to, you know, kind of get the control that I craved. Um, but it's loosened up my work a bit, which is a good thing. Um, uh, my work, I think, has evolved conceptually. 
um, as a result of that. Uh, but, and I've also, I think, drawn from my love, the, the stuff that I love to do way back from when I was in school. Um, I think I stepped away from that for many years, thinking that it wasn't valid. And I've reached back and pulled that sensibility into the work that I do now. So really what I'm doing now is a composite of everything that's happened before. Well, the, the premise of that project, of course, uh, as you no doubt are aware, was to push uh, participants, artists, photographers to the very extreme. And in doing so, uh, creates huge emotion. Um, uh, not to the point where you would cut off your ear, as Van Gogh did, but <laughs> but it does nevertheless create material that you would never have thought that you could produce. Uh, when you look at the kids now, Dana, when uh, the, the kids in uh, art college, do you see in them uh, a willingness to to go to those extremes, or are they somewhat stayed? in the uh, the comfortability of of the medium that's presented to them in in the digital world that they're in it, it, does that take away the excitement i think that they my experience is i think they tend to latch on to their particular way of doing something and they don't easily let go um uh, i know that um you know, in in we had a, a bit of a, a mutiny on the, on the fourteen days project, uh, and uh, that I was kind of scratching my head over that because um, I made a commitment to the project to to do what I did, um, regardless of how hard it was, um, and to I saw you know a group of people leave the project. Um, because it wasn't happening the way they thought it wanted to ha- they wanted it to happen, or the way they, you know, the, again, the way they thought it should happen, regardless of the fact that they had made a commitment. And um, I see, I see a fair amount of that, where it's like uh, uh, a lot of people these days, you know, kind of disregard the commitments they make or feel entitled to do what they want to do because they want to do it. Well, is is that possibly a fear, though, Dana? Uh, more than um, yes, I, I think that uh, creatives want to uh, change the paradigm uh, of a project. But is it not perhaps more fear that what they're involved in is is beyond their comprehension? Um, that's tough for me to answer because I'm not in their head, um, and I think that could be a valid point. Um, you know what what comes to me often with with some of you know some of it's maybe generational and it's just like it's too hard i just don't want to do it and um quite frankly it's the stuff that's hardest that produces the best work well what is the what is the future ahead as far as young people 
are concerned that you see today in these institutions uh, how do you see their their careers do you, you do you think that it's going to be a, a tough ride uh, to stay in business to, to become a full-time photographer yeah you know it's when I when I was just about to graduate from Art Center one of our instructors brought in uh, uh, an alumni uh, who had been a working professional for several years at that point and I remember him telling, you know, this guest alum speaking to us, talking about how difficult it was. And I remember virtually sticking my fingers in my ear going, la, 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 I don't want to hear this. I just spent, you know, three years full-time, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on an education, and I don't want you telling me that there's no place for me out there um, or that it's going to be too tough. And... Quite honestly, I have to, you know, say the same thing, and I think even more so these days. There are so many institutions now. Uh, the number of them have, I, I would venture to say, I don't have facts behind this, but I would venture to say that they've doubled or tripled the number of institutions churning out people um, for this profession whose uh, volume of work appears to be dwindling. Um, you know, and again, it may just be the current economic condition that we're in, and, and things could dramatically turn around in the years to come. But most people in my industry tend to be of the mind that our industry will never rebound to the level that it was before. Uh, that's not to say that there aren't going to be other types of opportunities that open up um, as a result of that, but there are more photographers being produced than there are jobs. Um, so there is a larger group of people clamoring for a smaller number of projects. And so really what it is, it, I, I don't want to say that this applies to all the young people that are coming out of school now, it, uh, because everybody's going to approach this differently. And ultimately, the ones who are going to make it are the ones who are passionate about it, um, and and aren't going to give up. You know, they're just going to do what they need to do in order to make it. Um, it it the industry is going to have a natural process of weeding out. Um, and we we converse about the fact that maybe that's what this last year has been about uh, is a, a weeding out process um, that maybe we'll all be better for off when all is said and done but it's painful to go through well in in advance of sending your resume for an assistant photographer's position dana can you tell me what it is that you look for in youngsters now who are going to work by your side in the studio yeah it's very i mean i'm pretty specific about what i want um i and i get many inquiries every week for people wanting internships or to be assistants. And uh, to be quite honest, it, it's somebody who already knows everything. Um, I'm looking for somebody with a full education. I mean, I would love to pull in somebody who's just starting out um, and really teach them the ropes. But unfortunately, in our lean times, we don't have the luxury of pulling multiple people in to be able to support that, I've got a limited budget where I can only pull in a limited number of people to assist me, and they really need to have their game on. They need to know their lighting. 
they need to know um, camera systems, uh, you know, that are relative to me. Uh, I, you know, I shoot Canon and Hasselblad. Other people shoot Nikon and Phase One. Uh, so anybody who's going to be assisting it behooves them to know all the camera systems. They need to know the lighting systems. I mean, most people these days are using Profoto lights. Um, you need to know that system, and there's not just one type of Profoto. There's a variety, and I use one of the lesser-used ones. Uh, and so they need to have their game on in, in that situation. They need to be conscientious. They need to be team players, and that might be the most important thing. Uh, when I put a crew together, it's about everybody working together to get the client what they need. And I say this all the time. If I'm in a studio as the photographer, kind of the lead guy running this production, and I see a pile of dirt on the floor, I'm the first one to go grab a broom and sweep it up. There's, for me, there's no egos on the set. Everybody's pitching in to, to get the job done and it's not about anybody being a star. Um, so it's a team player. It's about, you know, what we do as a living. Come on. I mean, it's, uh, it's a great job. There's no reason for it to not be fun. Um, certainly there's going to be stress points and things that go awry, but generally speaking, it, it should be a fun environment where everybody's working on the same team towards the same goal. So um, it's, it's personality. Uh, it's how you carry yourself. Um, a lot of little elements, but it's one of those things where I know within five minutes of meeting somebody whether or not they're going to be part of my team. As far as the future is concerned, you had mentioned at the beginning of the program that advertising, and I think that this is well known, is some 80% down across the board. Mm -hmm. Has that affected advertising agencies as a, pers a prospective client or are you including the in that direct clients um that's i mean i know agencies are down and again i don't have hard numbers for the different areas of this but i know agencies are down um budgets are down uh and even corporate yes corporate uh, my corporate direct clients um have pulled back this year Again, that's not to say that they're not going to, you know, re-attack next year. I think what's going to happen is we're going to reach this point uh, where all of a sudden everybody's going to realize they have no more visual assets and they need to start producing them again because they pulled back so far. And I think we'll get, we'll get hit pretty good, and I'm looking forward to that day. Um, everybody in my industry has been kind of talking in hope that we were going to see this year-end push where because nobody's used their budgets this year at all, that we would see this big rush to use up budgets at the end of the year. That doesn't really appear to be happening, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we can look towards next year. I mean, budgets, I think, it, they're going to take a while to come back. Uh, you know, everybody's taking a hit. And, um, you know, so the, the corporate direct clients uh, have pulled back advertising agencies yeah, I mean look at any any high-end magazine these days there are a half to a quarter of the thickness that they used to be um, there's just not imagery being produced because everybody's pulled back for our listeners Dana could you could you provide a, 
an overview of how the economy is in Greater Los Angeles in the in the advertising sector in your world? Um, it's tight. It's uh, you know the economy here. Every, it's you know California is one of the worst hit states right now, and um, you know everybody is really kind of hanging on as long as they can. Um, a lot of the work that uh, appears to be happening appears to be happening out of state. Uh, colleagues uh, that I work with are are seeing more stuff out of state than than here locally. So. Um, I'm not sure what the breaking point is going to be where, you know, whether it's going to be a mental thing of, uh, you know, everybody's just had enough and, okay, let's get back to work, uh, or whether it's just going to be the slow, steady recovery. Um, but uh, I have no intention of leaving L.A. anytime soon, so uh, anybody who comes to this market will be up against me. That uh, bold, bold words indeed. Uh, what is your strategy then, uh, Dana, in in continuing your own marketing? Uh, how do you go about that? And what would be your recommendations to youngsters coming up through the business? Uh, what exactly is it that you uh, keep out there in the marketplace to assure that your clients are aware that you're you're still around? Right. Well, and that's the key. The key is keeping your name in front of people constantly so that it, it's almost a matter of luck that your name is in front of them when a project shows up. Um, I know, quite honestly, a lot of times that's what happens with me in assistance. When all of a sudden I need an assistant, it's really the most recent guy that I talk to that I like that gets pulled in. So it's keeping yourself in front of the clients, uh, trying to do which something that's very difficult for me is trying to, even when you're not working, produce current and fresh work, something new, so that you have something new to show the client. And again, for somebody that tends to not pick up the camera unless there's a job, that's something I struggle with. Um, and it is important to, to continue to produce uh, imagery even when you're not working. But my marketing strategies, um, you know, there's a variety of things out there, and some people find that they work and some people find that they don't. There's the source books, things like the workbook and alternative pick, uh, the large, you know, directories of photographers. There is direct mail campaigns where you're sending, you know, a promotional piece to anybody who might be interested in your type of work. Um, there's email campaigns. Um, there's online resources uh, like PDNs, PhotoServe. Um, the workbook has an online resource. All these things are are viable sources of marketing, and I use almost all of them. Um, the one I use the most is uh, I do email blasts uh, through a service because it's really cost-effective. It's the, the cheapest form of advertising. Um, consequently, I can do it more often. I do mine monthly. Um, I don't. I tend to not go too much more than that because then people will find it bothersome and, and opt out of the list. Um, but that's my strategy: is monthly email blasts and probably either three or four times a year doing a direct mail campaign, um, and then keeping a presence with my website and with the on, other online resources. Um, you know, more and more really online is where people are, are finding. Uh, the work. And are there any new styles or techniques that you uh, appeal to from uh, uh, younger people coming up through the industry? 
Uh, hmm. You know, it's the the cool thing about the digital world that we're in now, especially because I I'm hiring assistants all the time, and and usually one of them is a digital tech um, who's you know fairly savvy with software, you know, be it uh, Adobe Lightroom, Photoshop, and I'm always keeping keeping myself educated on those as well. Is that it almost tends to be an educational experience on the set because every time we show up on set to do a project, somebody's got the new little latest trick, whether it's with a specific piece of software um, or something new on the cameras. But we're we're all pretty meticulous about you know kind of keeping up on what the latest thing is, and we consequently share that extensively when we're on the shoot. Um, so that's. That's part of the fun of, of, you know, being a techno geek and uh, having like-minded people on your set. So, <laughs> the um, th- those new techniques that we we talk about is that something that scares you, perhaps? Um, it doesn't scare me because I consider myself, like I said, kind of a techno geek. I. I um, I think it's important not to let yourself get overwhelmed with that. Um, I mean, you look at programs like Photoshop and things like that, and the, the the programs are so massive and so deep, and there's so many different ways to accomplish the same thing, and there's so many different things you can do that there's no one person that will ever know it all. And I've even done a lot of courses on Photoshop, and you'll watch two different quote-unquote, you know, high-end professionals talk about accomplishing something, and they will talk in exactly the opposite direction of each other, um, but still accomplish the same thing. So, ultimately, you know, because we can't know it all, you, I tend to learn what I need to learn, um, and, you know, and try and augment that wherever I can. Um, but I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm, I'm never going to be the end-all and be-all in all of these areas. So uh, ultimately what I do is I decide what are the most important things for me in order to deliver what I need to deliver for my clients, and that's what I concentrate on. Then if something else shows up that we need to accomplish, if there's some either technique or task that I'm not adept at, I hire that out. I bring that that professional in to be able to accomplish that. Uh, For instance, we do the bulk of retouching in-house. I do a lot of it myself. But there are things where it's like, you know what, this particular task is beyond me, and so I'll I'll outsource that to somebody. Um, And, you know, it's not just one retoucher. There might be one retoucher for beauty work and another retoucher for kind of uh, a composite situation. So um, you need to just draw on those resources and not get overwhelmed and think that you need to know it all. Well, Dana Hersey, uh, it's been a great pleasure talking to you today. We wish you the very best uh, with your business in the future. Thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, uh, wherever you are in this world, we hope you've enjoyed this discussion as well. We'll look forward to joining you again. And wherever you are, Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening.
David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here.